Howdy, tons of files, and welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave at EscapingTheCave.com. Fuck Twitter, no Facebook page. I am your friendly, congenial, and healthy host, Todd. Hi there. <laughs> oh, look, there was only something to talk about. Start off by reminding you to make sure that you are subscribed to an authentic, original Escaping the Cave feed. On your favorite podcatcher, it should be on all of them. If it's not on one, if you found one, perhaps, then I'm not on. I'm looking for your friendly neighborhood Toddzilla. Then he's not there. Let me know which one it is. I'll rectify that. As far as I know, pretty much everywhere. Everywhere I've looked so far, anyway. Anyway, yeah, make sure you are subscribed to an authentic, genuine, or genuine, Escaping the Cave feed. Appreciate that. Listenership, by the way. It's increasing. It's growing like a fungus. At least it's not spreading like a vi- Well, <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, listenership is up, including uh, a lot of last year's material. A lot of people going back and sort of digging through the old catalog. I didn't really expect that to happen. So uh, thank you for that, especially you new listeners. Got a lot of them. Hello there. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for downloading. Uh, if you're not aware, I'm not making any money here. You're not going to hear any ads. I'm not, you know, <laughs> hockinvirtualhorseshit.com here. Uh, not one ad, not one revenue stream. I'm doing that intentionally. As if you've heard my opinions on social media influencers, especially the for-profit variety, I'm not a fan. I don't have a Facebook page. I don't have a Twitter, you know, that follow-for-follow bullshit. And most uh, social media influencers, podcasters, it's all follow me and I'll follow you. I hate that about podcasters. There's a lot of things I don't like about podcasters. I sort of stand apart from the podcasting community. I'm not part of the community, so to speak. Follow me and I'll follow you. I tried that crap on Twitter five years ago. And it's ridiculous because all these people following all these podcasters, there are not enough hours in the day to listen to all of the people you are following, podcasters. It's a game. It's a stupid, undignified game to give yourself the appearance that you have more listeners than you actually do because the people who are following you are trying to get the same, get the same appearance. To unsophisticated adults that don't see through that game or don't understand that game, the little status number of followers on your Twitter feed. Stop that. I said, no, I'm not doing that. My, my Twitter feed is barren. I'm following three people, and I've added two in the last two weeks. Who are they? Uh, one of the guys from Your, Un, um, your Undivided Attention. Probably my favorite podcast other than this one. I've also got Renee DeResta, who was featured on that podcast a few months back. I did an episode about a lot of the stuff that she put forth in that episode. It's back at the end of October. Go listen to it. I think it's Hillary the Halloween Zombie. I'm following her because she is a disinformation genius. She understands disinformation and puts it more succinctly and more clearly than anybody else that I'm aware of. I'm following three people. She's one of them. The host of uh, Your Undivided Attention is another one. And then I've got Andrew Sullivan on there as well. Andrew's sort of disappointing me lately. He's turning into just an anti-Trump propagandist. I haven't purged him as of yet. No Facebook page, no pandering engagement schemes. I'm not going to go on Twitter and onto social media and ask you, what do you think about this? Trying to get you to engage in my posts so they climb the algorithm. I don't do any of that shit. You're welcome. I don't have a marketing budget either. Doing this the old-fashioned way by throwing my materials singular hook in the water like I'm fishing. Other than trying, you know, social media's commercial fishing technique. Not soliciting guests either to get mentions on their podcast or worse in their brain dead Twitter feeds or worse still, you know, to feed the narcissistic performance hunger pangs that people have. I have to be performing all the time. I just have to be, I don't really have anything to say. I just need to be on stage dancing like a damn monkey. If you put them in front of a microphone by themselves, they would, they would sound like gump. Life like a box of chocolates. <laughs> they 
wouldn't have anything to say. They wouldn't be able to carry a show by themselves. Am I tooting my own horn? Maybe a little. I'm a member of, of three podcasting groups because I'm interested in... It's like an anthropological field trip for me. I really enjoy social media for that aspect. I don't participate and I don't engage a lot of people on social media, but I watch. <laughs> and it's, I've, seen, I've seen people go into these groups. Anybody want to be a guest on my show? Tell me what you know and tell me what you want. You don't have a... What are you doing? I used to hitchhike. It's like, hey, put all your thumb up in the air and I'll pick you up. Is that all you can do? Do you have anything that you could do by yourself? Do you have a point of view of your own? Or do you depend upon someone else to feed on? I am the black sheep. Or is that a goat? Either way, I'm black. No, that wasn't racist. Most people do that. Most podcasters I know demand and require a guest to carry their show because... They do not have anything to say. If they had to go on this stage solo, they would curl up and die in the corner. Warning, the system has become unstable. This meditation can reduce stressful situations whenever you want to feel calm. When When somebody's being bitchy or whatever. To begin... Inhale through your nose to the count of four, then exhale through your mouth. Feel its warmth as it enters your body. Feel it dissolve stress and tension as if you were sitting in a warm bath. Mm, That's queer. Feel it bathe your throat, ridding you of any tension in your head. Say to yourself, I am calm. I am at peace. Take a deep breath. Feel the warmth and the peace of the light resting in you whenever you need to feel calm. Excuse him. <laughs> Did you get any on you? <laughs> Sorry. There are a few notable exceptions here. Your undivided attention, not monetized. I haven't heard any indications they're monetizing that show whatsoever. That is my favorite podcast at this point. There are some other people. I like Joe Rogan. I listen to Joe Rogan occasionally. Half the world listens to Joe Rogan occasionally because of his Rolodex. He's good at what he does. But most of them, I have come to loathe. Loathe. These would be commercialized little influencers. So, gee, what's going on in the world today? (sighs) You're listening to the Escaping the Cave podcast on National Public Radio. I'm your host, Marvin. It's an homage to one of the few shows I did have guests on <laughs> last year. Chris and Rich were here, and uh, we were pretty uh, wound up about something or other. <clears throat> and decided that some classical music would calm us down. It would soothe the savage beast soul, savage podcaster soul. So I figure... After the couple of weeks we've had, maybe it's a good time to, I don't know, breathe together, sort of meditate together. (sighs) Breathe in. (gasps) Breathe out. (sighs) There's no coronavirus in the world. There's no pandemic. There's no Donald Trump. Thank you, God, no Donald Trump. Is it a dream? Is it an erotic dream I'm having that there's no Donald Trump in this world? (laughs) We all need a collective antidepressant, don't we? 382,366 cases 
as of about uh, three hours ago as I record this on the early morning of March 24th, 2020. Forgot to put that in the open. I apologize for that for posterity. <laughs> it is the 24th of uh, March. And the cases are skyrocketing. Here in the United States, last check, 46,145. 13 days ago, there were 1,000. Well, that's due to testing. I understand that. It's only begun, begun uh, recently to ramp up. And still incredibly difficult to get a test sometimes, even if you are symptomatic. My girlfriend has a couple of examples of just that thing from where she works herself. And there are millions of stories, it seems like, about this. Unless you're a celebrity or a basketball player. Well, by God, then you're right at the front of the line, huh? Another story altogether. Here in Michigan, state of Michigan, I'm in West Michigan. 1,328 cases now. We were one of the last states to actually get cases, and now we're number five in the nation. Michigan is number five behind New York, who has a ton, 21,000. Uh, New Jersey, Washington, we're 400 behind California as of Monday night, as of uh, the 23rd, night of 23rd, early morning of the 24th. We have more cases than Illinois. Nationwide so far, 582 deaths. Here in this country, we hit yesterday 100 deaths in a single day for the first time. It took six weeks for the worldwide total to hit 100,000. Six weeks to hit 100,000 and then 18 days to quadruple from there to 400,000. It's a number the world's going to hit later on today, probably this morning, probably very soon. And it's increasing. WHO, the World Health Organization, says that the infection rates are increasing. Not just because of testing. People are getting infected, and it's starting to spike. That's what they've been talking about. That's what they've been predicting for a very, very long time. Other developments this week, this past week, Rand Paul, Mr. Libertarian guy, Mr. No Regulation guy, Ron Paul's kid, Mr. Austerity, became the first confirmed positive in the Senate. He's a Republican. Concerns about whether or not they're going to be able to vote at some point. Because he happened to use the gym and was in the pool the morning he got tested. He got tested. <sighs> he found it, you know, appropriate to get tested, but was still using the pool and using the, the, the congressional or senate gym, whatever it is. What the hell's wrong with you, man? So a lot of people in the Senate are freaked out now. And there's talk how, well, you know, if this spreads through the Senate... And senators start getting sick. And they have to self-quarantine. Well, how are we going to have the votes? How can the Senate function? How can Congress function if all of these congressmen are getting sick? Mitch McConnell refuses or has refused. I don't know. He might be considering this now. But he has been refusing to consider, even consider, uh, re, uh, remote voting options. Skype. Apparently, it's uh, in the Constitution that you have to be physically present to vote. And he's afraid of changing that, even in this situation. Or has been. And if Republicans continue to get sick, though, this is something that entertained my mind earlier. It's all Republicans that are, I, I think, sick, in the, at least the senators, right? They keep getting sick. Like some sort of STD. Senatorial transmitted disease. Will Democrats have the voting majority in the Senate all of a sudden? Also, a Phoenix man has died after self-medicating with chloroquine, or chloroquine, however you say it. It's Donald Trump's new pet drug. It holds great hope for treating blah, blah, blah. Well, some guy apparently listened to him, heard him during his press briefing, his intellectual Petri dish that I'll be talking about here in a bit. Apparently hurt him, had some, got some, whatever, decided he'd take it, try to treat it, and died. Florida, America's penis, has ordered a 14-day quarantine of domestic passengers. A 14-day quarantine of domestic passengers flying into the state from New York or New Jersey. So, say you're going to fly from Sea Caucus, I don't know, 
to DeLand. You're going to be quarantined for 14 days if you fly from Sea Caucus to DeLand International. Yes, I'm being facetious. Also, the last couple of days, partisanship and apparently Democratic Party pork riders stuffed into the relief bill are holding up the uh, second relief package. It's either that or the Democrats are demanding their proposal includes like shit for the Green New Deal. Inequity, inequality, and I don't know what all it is, but it's, it's Democrat pet projects being crammed into a pandemic relief bill. Part of the reason it hasn't gone through, there's other reasons Democrats are saying, because it's a big slush fund, that there's no provisions to keep these companies that are getting the relief money from buying back their stocks. Yeah, so it depends on what side of the, the aisle you reside upon, how what you're going to complain about. I've heard both. You know, if you're a Republican, you're complaining about the pork. If you're a Democrat, then you're complaining about how there's no regulations to prevent these companies from buying back the stock or, you know, giving their CEO a raise with this relief money or bonuses. Both have points. Get it done. For the love of fuck, just get it done. Get your bullshit out of there, Nancy. I don't give two shits about the Green New Deal right now. You want the Green New Deal? passed through legislation. Don't stuff it into a pandemic relief bill. Win an election. Jesus herald Christ on his throne. What are you doing? Are you trying? (laughs) Peru has declared a state of emergency. This is fun, close to my heart, since I traveled to Peru a few times. (laughs) closed their borders and wound up stranding over a thousand U.S. travelers inside. Scatter reports of xenophobic coronavirus-related treatment of the Americans down there. The gringos, they weren't happy the gringos were there. That's what tends to happen in situations like this. You start closing borders and the Auslanders start being targeted and scapegoated. I thought that was just an American thing. Huh! Now that's a human thing, my friends. I'm not sure what happened with that. Uh, State Department uh, was supposed to be working to get them out, but hadn't as of Saturday. And a lot of people were stuck there. They weren't going to be able to get out because the airports and the borders were closing on Sunday. (laughs) No flights. And uh, there was talk that the uh, military perhaps was going to send a a plane down there, but I I don't know what happened. Those poor people were locked. (laughs) They were staying in locked-down hostels. So they were staying in a hostel. I've stayed in these hostels in Peru. I've stayed in them in Cusco. I've stayed in them in Lima. The ones in Cusco are pretty cool. But the thing with hostels is, unless you're lucky, unless you're you're paying extra cash, which I'm sure that the, the rates are really high at this point, you're in a dormitory with other people. You know, anywhere from 6 to 20 people in a dorm. Shared bathrooms. Just what you want to be doing during a pandemic. Hopefully they got out of there. I Probably going to be a cool story at some point in their life, and not right now. And this is great. I know you heard about this. Diane Feinstein, Richard Burr from North Carolina, Kelly Loeffler of Georgia, and science denier James Inhofe of Oklahoma. They got this information about the coming pandemic, decided to unload all their stock or at least a shitload of it. Most of this is focused on Burr. He's the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He used more than 30 transactions to dump between $630,000 and $1.72 million on February 13th. This, according to uh, ProPublica. Report said that the transaction involved a significant percentage of the senator's holdings and took place about a week before the impact of the virus outbreak sent stock prices plunging, plunging, plummeting to the point where gains made during President Trump's term in office. That's the first time I've ever said President and Trump next to each other since he was inaugurated. This pisses me off. I should have scoffed. I was trying to go through his entire term without saying it, and I didn't edit this out of the article. Damn it! But it was an accident. All right, you are my witnesses. I did not say that with any respect. It was read. God damn it. 
plunging to the point where gains made during Trump's term in office were largely erased. I could edit that out, couldn't I? <laughs> Maybe I'm saved. Yeah, that would be, be me. That'd be dishonest. I'm an honest man. And finally, I talked in the last podcast about my girlfriend's coworker. This is a guy who was uh, symptomatic, went to the doctor, I guess a week ago yesterday, was denied a test without an explanation. He was supposed to return to be tested again on Friday. He went in, still symptomatic. The doctor told him on Friday he was likely infected and was still denied the test again. Do you understand this? Can you explain this to me? Symptomatic, doctor thinks he's likely has this virus. Denied a test for a second time in four days. No friggin' explanation. Again, nobody knows why he was denied the test. He doesn't even know. His doctor wouldn't tell him or didn't know or he just got a denial, maybe didn't get an explanation from somebody. I don't know. This is why these numbers about the infection rates and how many people in this country are infected, they're not accurate. You cannot trust them. There have got to be vastly higher numbers of infections than this. This is happening all over the country, not just here in Michigan, unless you're a basketball player or a politician, which fine, you know, politicians fine. I don't mind that as much, but a basketball player, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant gets one. This douchebag from Bravo gets his test. But normal people aren't getting them. Not nearly, you know, as easily as these folks who, I guess, have high-connected doctors. Maybe they're, you know, shoving a little more money at it. Yeah, but thank God the smiling Bravo meat puppet got his test. We're all better off because of that, huh? Mm. Well, another happy news, stock markets continue to plummet. 34.85%. It's only March. 9,600 points or so. Right around there. 9,600 points. Another 580-some came off yesterday as I looked at it. It's uh, really early morning. Uh, the markets aren't open on Tuesday yet. It looks like the uh, stock futures for at least for Tuesday are up. But 9,600 points off the stock market. Unemployment claims, I forget the figure, I want to say like 2.5 million. Does that sound right? I think so. That was last week. And <laughs> this is terrifying. The unemployment predictions, a lot of them are running between 20 and 30% for later on this year as a result of the economic calamity. Those are depression-level unemployment rates like Great Depression unemployment level rates. And that is what is leading Trump, our uh, glorious and illustrious president, has decided he'd rather have you possibly die than be up for re-election during an economic crisis. I'm sure you've heard about this. If you haven't, you will. He's uh, talking about loosening the social distancing restrictions after the 15 days is up. Letting people out of their homes infected or not so they can go buy stuff. Keep the economy afloat because he's up for election. And God knows you can't, be, you can't be up for an election during a depression or a recession. So, you know what? If you get sick and die, cool. At least I have a better shot at my second term. That's his thinking. And that is exactly what he's thinking. And it might not even work. I don't know what your political leanings are. I've never done a survey of the political leanings of the uh, Escaping the Cave podcast listener. But even if he does, even if he decides he's going to loosen these restrictions, are you going to go out? You're going to go out and frolic with the conservatives who are out there maybe wanting to run around and get in close contact with everybody just to spite, you know, the Democrats or the liberals or anybody who doesn't agree with Donald Trump? You're going to head to the shit kicker lounge with those folks? Or are you going to stay home? You're going to. Try to stay healthy until this thing passes. It might not work. Either way, the death toll is still, it's certainly 100% going to rise as a result of this once he lets the kids out for recess again. 
You know, last week, I gave Forrest Trump a chance, man. He spent a couple of days pretending to be sane, at least semi-coherent of the situation, and halfway concerned about it for about two days. But now he's saying the current containment measure is too extreme, and while every other trained health expert on the globe says they're woefully, still woefully insufficient. I keep asking myself, did someone confuse him by playing the tape of George Bush after 9-11, telling us to go shopping? Remember that? Does he think there's somehow an equivalency here? I gave him a chance, man, but the more he flails around, the more obvious it is. Your president has no idea what the hell he's doing, let alone clear, coherent plans for dealing with contingencies. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. His idea of leadership, Donald Trump's idea of being president, boils down to listening to the last little voice babbling inside his own confused, overwhelmed, self-obsessed head. Whichever little voice... As the last word, that's what he goes with. Please, for the love of Christ, give me Reverend Pence at this point. And what about this? I say he loosens the restrictions here in a couple of weeks. Do states have the authority to declare states of public health emergencies in their own states and order the closure of non-essential businesses on an individual and independent state-by-state basis? In other words, can the Fed override or sabotage the state's <clears throat> right To do that. And if so, if the Fed can do that, how are these uh, big government states' rights Trump supporters, ones always screaming about states' rights and big government, how are they going to feel about such tyrannical incursions into the affairs and interests of these specific states? Federal government overriding state decisions, uh, governor's decisions, about the public health and public safety of their own residents. That'll be fun to watch. Lindsey Graham, he's trying to act like he's got some testicles again. He says, when it comes to uh, how to fight coronavirus, I'm making my decisions, I'm quoting here, I'm making my decisions based on healthcare professionals like Dr. Fauci and others, not political punditry. That's Lindsey Graham. After Trump said he was thinking about loosening these restrictions. <laughs> oh, Lindsey. Oh, Lindsey. If I knew Lindsay, if I had him on speed dial, I'd call him up. I'd say, you know what? I'd ask him, is executive malfeasance a high crime or a misdemeanor? Which one is it? How about gross governmental negligence? From the beginning of this, from disbanding the pandemic team to bumbling and fumbling and, and, and just rat-fucking the entire testing process. To pretending it wasn't there before it was. Well, then you're going to say, oh, I always knew it was there. No, you didn't. There's video. We live in the video age, Don Don. I heard what you said. Well, how does that gross governmental negligence fall in there? High crime, misdemeanor, or just gross incompetence? Which is it? I think you understand what I'm saying here. Till you answer that, Lindsay, you should probably just go shoot some pool and shut the fuck up. Okay? It's really hard to have credibility after three years of orange-tinted testicles bouncing off your weak little psychophant chin. I don't want to hear from Lindsey Graham. And again, I, I mentioned a minute ago, I gave Forrest Trump a chance a week ago, man. I was really hoping that he was taking this long-term, sober, and realistic tone with this. And it's a week later. It's literally a week later, and he wants to relax the social distancing guidelines. Uh, the headline on CNN didn't read the article, but it's accurate. It says there's a confrontation between public health officials and political and economic officials desperate to save an economy that's fundamental to Trump's re-election hopes. That's what this is about. And then there's this douchebag. Uh, Texas was he governor was on uh, one of the Fox programs. Let me see if I can find it here. I had it up a minute ago. Yeah, there it is. It's Texas's lieutenant governor. His name's Dan Patrick. Suggested grandparents, quote, take a chance on their, quote, survival in exchange for keeping America, keeping the America that all America loves for your children and your grandchildren. 
kill yourself for the team, grandma and grandpa. And then he goes on to say, if that's the exchange, I'm all in. I think this guy's 70 years old. I thought that was satire. I first saw it. I didn't see it on, I don't watch Fox, and I had to stop that, you know, going back and forth thing. Actually, CNN's been doing a pretty good job since they got off the anti-Trump crap and the election and all that. CNN's been doing okay. I haven't been having to watch Fox. But I thought that was satire. It's not satire. He's saying it's okay that people die because of this, that more people die because of this, because economy. It's a pandemic, but, you know, fuck it. I guess triage. Maybe that is their attitude. This is literally sacrificing people to the re-election and mammon altar. Literally what it is. This is where the save my election spin is going. It's astounding, and it's Nuevo Nazi. I, I used the word Hitlerian earlier, where you kill people for the greater good, or you kill people for the economic good, or the cultural good, or the... It's the same idea. We don't do that here. Traditionally, those are not American values. But we've never had a Donald Trump before, have we? I would invite you, my friends, if you know of any, to go ahead and kick one of those uh, Jill Stein protest voters right in the temple next time you see him. His psychophants and admirers, meaning Trump's, are going to be happily eating that shit up. Also, Dr. Fauci, this was interesting. He was, he was noticeably absent from uh, Monday's uh, press briefing. There's talk that his credibility star is shining too brightly in the Trump universe, taking away from the president's spotlight. He's also made the mistake of directly and publicly. Right after Trump speaks a lot of the time, it's been great. been correcting the good Dr. Trump. Speculation, fears even that he's on his way out. Fits the uh, pattern. Fauci and a couple other people on that team are the only sane ones keeping us above water right now, as far as the information goes. By way of comparison, Boris Johnson looks like a superstar. He ordered a nationwide lockdown. In the U.K., it's going to be enforced by police authority as cases around the globe, including the U.K., begin spiking. Funny thing, though, U.S. rates are rising just a little bit faster than the U.K.'s. And Boris Johnson puts the entire country on lockdown, enforced by uh, police authority. Whereas Donald Trump wants to loosen everything up, says, fuck it, go out, (coughs) go cough on somebody. Economy, economy, economy. Never thought I'd ask for Boris Johnson. I'd ask for Droopy Dog if I could get him at this point. Here's a piece of comedy for you. I was quietly considering the possibility that Donald Trump could be impeached again. Yeah, by Republicans. Once the health care system started drowning, the body count skyrocketed. I'm looking for silver linings here. But alas, I was tested for cabin fever. Definitely infected. Goofy side effects, apparently, include seizures of delusional sausage party hope. Who knew? And, of course, the big story here, the one thing that everybody seems concerned about, seems to be worried about, healthcare workers and their personal protection equipment and the shortages. Uh, Trump signed, but was apparently lobbied out of using, uh, the Defense Production Act intended to uh, address the medical supply shortage on things like masks and ventilators. Uh, Elon Musk's company transitioned somehow and put out something like 1,000 ventilators. Sort of an element of the old school private sector initiative and manufacturing, you know, stepping into the void. One of the better aspects of capitalism, I guess. But now, states are being forced onto the medical marketplace to compete with each other, driving the prices of this stuff up. Federal government also in there because they've got to come up with uh, the stuff. So the federal government, not only are states bidding against each other, the federal government's in there as well. (sighs) One of the downsides, capitalism. WHO said that the infection levels are spiking. They're going up everywhere right now. And this thing hasn't even begun yet. 
People keep saying that. I don't know that people really understand that. I don't think the population in general really understands that this thing hasn't even arrived yet. Even the Surgeon General, I have no faith in this man at all, but the Surgeon General warned that, uh, quote-unquote, this week's going to be bad. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, I wish he could run for president. I really do. He's been screaming from every media mountaintop he can find, warning that the health care system's going to be overwhelmed by infected people needing hospitalization. He's been screaming that for, what, two weeks now. As far as health care workers go, I got to tell you, if I was a healthcare worker, I'm not 100% sure I'd be going to work. I know that sounds mean. I know that sounds, maybe it sounds irresponsible to you. I have this thing that I call the dentist doctor. And I've talked about my friend Dennis that I met while I was hitchhiking back in 2009 or 2008. Talked about him a lot. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Let's just say he had an alcohol problem that he could never, ever get under control. It ended poorly for him. Violently. And what I took out of that was that sometimes you cannot help someone who cannot help themselves or refuses to help themselves. If they're sitting in the ditch, eventually, if they refuse to stand up and walk out of the ditch under their own power, you've got a choice to make. You can't carry them. You've either got to sit in the ditch with them or you've got to move on. And that's the essence of the dentist doctrine, what I call the dentist doctrine. They've got to meet you halfway. Or you've got to make a choice to leave them behind. So as far as the healthcare workers go, I think that comes into play. Also, I think often people in the healthcare industry, and this is, you know, it's not a blanket judgment, but I think that there is a sort of a self-destructive, maybe egocentric messiah complex at play here, where they feel like they have to try to save everyone. And also, As a society, there's an overarching collective attitude of accountability-free entitlement where people think that they don't take care of themselves or we don't take care of our collective self, that they're still entitled to get treatment. No matter what happens. That's the accountability-free entitlement that I think that really pisses me off. That's the thing that really pisses me off about this thing with Trump wanting to release or... um, roll back the requirements, the social distancing requirements here in a couple of weeks. That is a sense of accountability-free entitlement. There's not going to be any accountability if you're out infecting anyone else. Ah, fuck it. We're entitled to go down to, I don't know, Outback Steakhouse and have our dinner because we're Americans. (coughs) Accountability-free entitlement. Anyway, pick a path. As far as this healthcare worker stuff goes... I would not blame those folks for staying home, protecting themselves, protecting their own families, especially, especially if the masses and institutions haven't or are not meeting them at least halfway. Relaxing these requirements are not meeting them halfway. Not having the right equipment, the PPE stuff, is not meeting them even a quarter of the way. If I were a healthcare worker, I would not be going to work in those conditions, in that environment. I'm not going to make my own family sick to go treat people when the institutions and the society itself wouldn't protect itself. That's the aspect. That's a tie into the dentist doctrine. Why would I do that? Why would you do that? You're making a martyr of yourself. If that's the case, and it could be argued that martyrs are sometimes just lionized fools. Sometimes, not always, sometimes. And I wouldn't bother to counter that argument. I'm obviously not cut from the altruistic public health service cloth. And I admit to it, I cop to it. But if I were in that industry, or someone I cared about was in that industry, I would implore them to stay home until the safety equipment is accounted for, or there are no more images of people stubbornly ignoring public pleas to stay home, or if Trump decides he wants to encourage people to go shopping during a pandemic. Stay home, healthcare workers. If that's the case, protect your families. I mean, there, there are different ways to look at it. It goes beyond your families. I mean, even if the healthcare workers are not symptomatic, but if they get infected, they're possibly exposing compromised patients to themselves. 
If they're already infected, even if they don't know it, even if they're asymptomatic, they could be infecting other people in that environment who have other health problems. And if you're going to work without the proper gear and without the proper guidelines in place, yeah, imagine having Typhoid Mary as your nurse. That should be fun. Yeah, I don't know. If it were me, no. I don't think I'd be going to work. Not without the right equipment and not without the right guidelines and, the, and, and, and society as a whole at least trying to cooperate to get this thing under, the, under control. Why would I want to go in and expose myself and sacrifice myself or risk exposing my family to that if I'm not getting any help, any cooperation from anyone else? I wouldn't do it. And as far as this relaxing of the uh, guidelines goes... Imagine how this is going to go. Whether or not one chooses to social distance, it's likely to become an exercise in virtue signaling now. Way to flash your political brand loyalty card to both your herd, and maybe more importantly, their herd. The other. It's a way to turn one fanatical sect into that snot-nosed kid we all saw on the beach during spring break, defiantly saying that some pandemic ain't going to stop him from, you know, attending the commercial orgy that he's accustomed to. Don't go stop me from partying, even for a little while. Even if it means the body count rises, doesn't matter. He's going to go to the beach. He's going to go to the party. He's going to go to the mall. He's going to go to the bar. Who cares? As long as the increased body count shows that you owned them libs, huh? (laughs) That's exactly what's going to happen. You probably have heard the name Oliver Wendell Holmes. Now, Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. was a Supreme Court justice. 1902 to 1932, he defined democracy as the theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it, good and hard. It's a quote from him. In other words, what he was saying is that if the bewildered and drooling herd, you know, the people, we the people, elect inept leadership so unqualified that the people themselves end up suffering as a result, that was, in his view, their own fucking problem. Put another way, people get the government they deserve. The mob, as I've said a hundred times, it's retarded. Mobs are stupid, but it can't escape collective accountability. It can only rationalize it away inside of a reality vacuum. Our celebrity influencers, the pundits, advertising's uplifters, we've seen those, right? They're all patting us on the head now, soothing we the children with its latest pithy little slogan, we're all in this together. Newsflash, we've always been in it together, dummies. And what's happened is what millions of people worked so hard to spitefully inflict upon the other, from lobotomized word soup populism to demands for tribalized purity to the oxymoronic unity via division philosophy of identity politics all the way down to protest voting. It's all come home to defecate on the collective floor now. Regardless of when or how, the mob's bill of defiant incompetence, that bill was inevitably coming due. There's going to be no deferred payments, my friends. You know what's also inevitable? The next backlash wave in our repeating extremist cycle. When the dust settles, the body counts tallied, and the country's mired in economic devastation, Donald Trump's photo-negative demagogue will arrive. Talk about this for a long time. Backlashes, boomerangs, backdrafts. When that demagogue gets off the train, make sure you greet him, her, or it warmly. It's your own child. With the leadership that we have in place, what we have chosen to lead this country, the only thing I can say is endure your suffering stoically, America. Don't whine. Don't complain. We deserve to get it good and hard, and we will. It's still the people. You know, I've come to the conclusion that if there is any kind of a silver lining to all this, it's probably if... And only if someone can elevate and detach themselves. Which, of course, is the challenge. I mean, trying to see the forest through the trees, you know. Get your dog out of the fight. Talked about this a lot. And the trick, I think, is sort of becoming maybe an in-the-moment historian. 
taking the attitude of a social scientist or a documentarian. Now look, I'm no scientist <laughs> at all, and I am having a hell of a time. It's almost impossible for me to detach from this. I have my biases, I've got my prejudices that cloud, taint, and paint my perceptions just like everybody else. I despise extremism, I despise woke flake puritanism, puritanism of all kinds, actually. Mobs of all kinds, utopians. But I'm also politically unshackled. That I've done well. And Donald Trump is an incompetent boob. An incompetent boob whose narcissistic obsession with his own self-interest makes him genetically unqualified to lead anything, let alone a global superpower through a pandemic. His daily press briefings. Psychological petri dishes, man. Yet there he is. In my opinion, if this were a sane world and a sane country, he'd be impeached for malpractice. He'd be impeached for the public good, even if the good Reverend Pence is the alternative. Now he's indicated he thinks the containment measures may be too extreme. Again, this man has no idea what's going on and just goes by whatever the last little voice in his head has told him. Or the last little voice in his ear. Maybe it's Fox News this time. Probably. How are we supposed to detach from that? How am I supposed to detach from that? I'll let you know when I figure it out because I haven't yet. The lack of coherency coming from our leadership is staggering. This guy is often contradicted by his own task force during the same briefing. He's getting fed up with it. He's getting annoyed with Dr. Fauci. Watch that story. That'll be fun. Especially if he gets fired, huh? Donald Trump is clueless and in charge. Again, detachment. <laughs> Ow. Ow. <sighs> you know, I'd love to read a history book. I would love to see a history book from maybe the year 2080 or 2100. I'd love to see how posterity judges this era and the people living in it. I can't see the future. I have, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to sort of see how this is going to play itself out. We're off the map. There is no precedent here. History doesn't really apply now. We're writing it. Confusion and contradiction rules the day. It reigns supreme. There's a reality vacuum. It's being filled by speculation and narratives. The stories. That's what people do when they're confused. When they don't have the answers, they write convenient fictions. There's nothing to go on. Yeah, and history's not much of a guide beyond disconnected examples. Little specifics, little chunks that we can go on. Beyond that, there's not a cohesive sort of precedent that we can lean on for experience. We're writing it. The experience that's going to be leaned on at some point is this one. We are history's lab rats right now. That's the best I can come up with today, man. I'm really struggling to try to keep a disconnected perspective here. But watching this kind of just naked, gross malfeasance, it's really hard. You know, I've said time and time again throughout the electoral process, throughout the primaries, this whole run-up to this election we're supposed to have in November, that had Bernie Sanders been nominated, that I would have considered voting for Donald Trump? Not anymore. Not anymore. This sort of incompetence in a situation like this is deadly. What he's going to do to people, how he's going to encourage people to put other people's lives in danger. There's no... I don't even have a word for that. Malfeasance doesn't seem <laughs> criminally negligent. I, I don't know. But either way, this is what we get. This is what we get for letting the mobs rule the day. The divisiveness, the tribalism, the data overload, all of this stuff. I've got another piece written right here. I can't get to it today. All this stuff ties into it. This is the check. This is the bill that's coming due. There's not any cohesion in message or national unity. 
People are going to be willing to go out and infect other people, to contract a virus, to take and spread around just to spite someone else politically. It's coming. It has to come. The political puritanism, the sectarian cults, the lack of leadership, the lack of clarity, the lack of vision, the narcissism, the self-interest. It's going to unleash that here in a couple of weeks if he, if he continues down this track. Now, now, the only thing that might save us is if this actually does spike in the next week and he wakes the fuck up and understands how bad this could possibly be if he just sends people back out to the mall or the shopping centers. Walmart, go to Walmart, go shopping. Maybe it'll get so bad in the next week that he won't be able to do that. <laughs> That's twisted. It's twisted to think that that would have to happen to get him to understand the significance and the severity of the situation. To prevent people from just going hog wild and spreading this virus around, sacrificing people at the altar of capitalism, at the altar of your re-election campaign. Who does that? Would you do that if that were you? And if so, do you consider yourself a good human being? Or don't you care? You know, this is really a fascinating time to be alive. Again, we are writing the script. We are writing the precedent for the next hundred years right now. All the stuff that I've talked about with technology, data overload, stories and turtle narratives, propaganda, the constant connectivity we have, disinformation. We are writing the script. We are almost literally history's lab rats. We are doing the tests upon ourselves right now. And what happens to us, whether or not we survive or grow tumors or kill each other off, the significant degrees is going to determine how people proceed in future generations moving forward. We're failing. We are failing miserably. I got a whole mess of stuff I've written up in my own personal notebooks talking about democracy and reading a lot of Lippmann, a lot of Mencken. A lot of Edward Bernays, and I've said before, you know, last summer if you went back and listened to a lot of the propaganda stuff, I was really running down a track, I guess maybe in May, June, early July, where I looked at Edward Bernays as sort of a villain. Propaganda industrial complex, at least the classical one, as sort of a vile institution. I don't see him as an evil villain anymore. Because people do not function well in informational anarchy. We've seen this. Everybody has a broadcast device in their pocket. Anybody can reach into their pocket and reach someone else on the other side of the globe instantaneously with anything they choose. That means anyone in any part of the world can reach you with anything they choose to send you. As long as you're connected. And if you are not a sophisticated media consumer who's at least semi-tethered and committed to some idea of external truth, sitting ducks, the tribalism has to come. People are going to congregate into their groups. That's what people do. We are a tribal species. They're going to start telling themselves stories because they don't know what to believe There's too much information coming in. You get confused, you just cling on to something. You gather with people who believe the same things you do, and you start seeing the people who don't believe the same things you do, who believe differently. You start seeing them as outsiders. start seeing them as enemies. That's what people do. That's how people are. It's part of human nature. A people that can't tell truth from falsehood does not remain free. And people who are untethered to the truth, who refuse to tether themselves to the truth, cannot be trusted, cannot be trusted to run free in the informational jungle, thinking that reality is some sort of an internal choice of narratives, that you can pick the story, pick the fiction, and turn it into truth. Reality is open to personal preference. Nor can democracy survive. A population living in mutually exclusive delusions of choice. 
Factionalism, tribalism again. It's all. It's inevitable. And if you have a national emergency, something requiring a unified message, and you're living in a culture of tribalism, factionalism, sectarianism, good luck with that. I mean, where are the voices of authority? Where are the voices people can turn to to know, or at least believe, en masse, that they are getting good information, that they are getting truth, transparency from their leadership? People have been trying to put forth this idea that 912 is here. Oh, we're all coming together. We're all in this together. That is blowing up in front of our faces this week. Dr. Fauci has been taken off the podium because he's speaking with credibility and contradicting the spinmeister-in-chief, the reality show host-in-chief. So he's going to be silenced. People see that. Half the country sees that. Half the country understands that. Understands clearly why. Whereas the other half of the country, okay. Good luck with that. Half of the country is going to follow Trump as he decides to you know, release the infected herds upon themselves just so they can go spend money just to maybe marginally improve the economy, maybe maybe marginally improve the economy, so his re-election chances are increased. And people are going along with that. Help me understand how this is not derp nation. How we have not descended into Trump-based idiocracy. And again, don't get too smug there, hippies. As I said at the outset, or maybe in the, in the middle of this episode... This is ours. We are in this together. The factionalism and the tribalism doesn't go one way. The boomerangs don't fly in one direction. The backdraft doesn't come from an easterly or westerly wind. It comes from both. It's mutual. A bilateral. I keep thinking about this uh, this thing that I saw in a Solzhenitsyn uh, biography, I guess about two years ago. I've talked about it before. And the author was talking about how the atrocities committed by both 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 the red and the white army and the revolution made reunification impossible. Or those factions hated each other so much that there was no putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. The two sides would not talk to each other. And we're not hanging people from trees in this country, but the rhetorical atrocities... <laughs> the informational atrocities may have the same effect because we are connected. Constantly connected. Constantly crop dusting each other with these informational acts of flatulence. Again, I go back to it. We are history's lab rats here. We've never been this connected in the history of mankind. Nowhere close. We don't know how this is going to affect us as a super, super social organism. We're about to find out, I think. And I think we're finding out right now because 20, 30 years ago, we would have had a unified message. We would have been able to trust the information coming from our leaders. Now it's up to each and every one of us. We're all, look at me. Look at me, for example. How many people am I reaching with this? How many people who have far less... Mm, uh, conscientiousness with their information. Like Alex Jones. How many little podcasting Alex Joneses are out there right now? Look at me, look at me, look at me. We're all doing this to some degree. Not just me, not just with this microphone. We're all doing this via Twitter, via social media, all over the place. Instagram, name it. A part of that anthropological study that I do on Twitter, I've come to realize that Twitter is just basically 90% of Twitter, at least 90% that I see, which is admittedly skewed. It's amateur propagandist hour. You go on there, I'm a Democrat, you suck. I'm a Republican, you suck. Trump rocks, Trump sucks. It's just propaganda, man. You're just emulating your propagandist of choice. You're taking your chum, you're taking your material that you've gotten from someone, and you're taking it and you're throwing it out into the virtual ecosystem. Twitter should be declared an intellectual Superfund site. In a sane world, again, in my view, 
I know you're not going to like this. Most of you ain't going to like this, but I think Twitter and Facebook should be shut the fuck down. For the public good. For national security reasons. Did you see the Russians are at it again? This came out of the EU. I don't know, a couple of weeks back, that the Russians are taking our disinformation chum, our disinformation flatulence, and pumping it right back into the echo chambers. They're taking the stuff we are creating, using their troll farms, places like Africa, and feeding it right back to us to sow division using the pandemic. I don't remember if I mentioned it in another podcast, but also Health and Human Services, HHS, an attempted cyber attack upon uh, their website, trying to slow the response, trying to just bog things down. According to HHS, they didn't get through. Who knows? But they said they didn't get through, but the attempt was there. <laughs> and again, that's all due, at least the, um, the disinformation aspect of this, is all due to the fact that we have these little propaganda devices in our pockets able to be pinged from any corner of the globe with anything. And we are too unsophisticated to see through it. We are too unsophisticated, too narcissistic to even bother to look at it skeptically. We just chew it up and spit it out. Spit it back out into the the informational river flowing through the backwoods to be carried to someone else who picks it out, takes it up, picks it up, chews it up, and shits it out themselves. If I were king, God help you if I were king. (laughs) But if I were king, Facebook and Twitter would be shut the fuck down. They would either evolve and become accountable for the damage their product is doing to society. It's not their product, but the use of their product. doesn't matter. Cigarettes don't give you cancer. Smoking cigarettes gives you cancer. Right? It's how or whether you choose to use it. And clearly, clearly, we have no idea how to use social media without being self-destructive, without tearing ourselves to shreds. And most of us aren't even introspective enough to understand that. Derp-de-derp-de-doo. All right, it is no longer the early morning of uh, March 24th, 2020. It's now <laughs> late afternoon. I recorded the rest of that earlier. I made the mistake of thinking that I could go to bed. So in the last nine hours, things have changed. We have indeed gone over 400,000 cases worldwide. Actually, we're at 409,000 as of about 4 o'clock on the 24th. 18,200 deaths now globally. The United States has hit a milestone. Yay us, 50,000 infections. There were 1,700 one week ago, at least reported. 646 deaths now, up 146 in the last 24 hours nationwide. WHO has announced today that the U.S. is potentially the next epicenter for the coronavirus pandemic. Shocking, huh? New York Governor Andrew Cuomo told FEMA that the 4,000 ventilators they've graciously offered to provide, thank God they're providing at least that, but he needs 30,000, and he said that FEMA can decide Come in and pick the 26,000 people who are going to die because they are short respirators. And nobody cares. Apparently. Apparently. Because Trump, (laughs) no briefing today. You know what he did instead? I'm sure you do by now because it's everywhere. He decided instead, instead of holding a briefing, instead of putting the experts up in front of the cameras asking, answering legitimate questions, he decided... Our president decided he'd go hold a solo media rally over on Fox News. He called it a town hall, but yeah, we know what that is. That's a rally in front of admirers, in front of his fans. He's getting sick and tired of being peppered with tough questions. He wants Fox News to coddle him. He wants to get in the virtual arena and be cheered. That is Donald Trump. Rather than having the task force briefing, He's decided to take his message straight to the softball tossers at Fox News. And while he was over there, he said he wants the economy up and raring by Easter. 
He wants to reopen everything by Easter. Easter is April 12th. Easter is 19 days away. The WHO says that this country is probably the next epicenter. Do you suppose those two things are going to coincide? Rates are spiking, and he wants to push people out to the shopping centers. The man's delusional. The man does not care about you. He does not give a fuck about you. He doesn't give a fuck about your family. And there are millions of you. Millions of you. <laughs> yeah, we'll show them, Libs. What are you afflicted with? Is there an antibiotic we can give you? Maybe some penicillin to treat your syphilitic mania? I'd pay for it if I could. No sign of Fauci again today. Mr. Fauci's apparently been gagged. The leading authority on this, the one man in this country people could trust. Anthony Fauci, no sign of him. I haven't seen a sign of him today. Didn't see a sign of him yesterday. He's been doing some interviews, had been doing some interviews, but his star, oh my God, Mr. Media star Donald Trump can't have a star shining more brightly and more credibly than his. Because, God damn it, he will be fired. He will be silenced. No one can eclipse the orange glowing star in the White House who has no concept of anything beyond his own self-interest, including your self-interest. None. Yet here we are. Yet here we are, and millions and millions and millions of people are going to go along with it. Yeah, I talked about remaining detached. <laughs> At some point, I guess being detached equates to complacency. Sticking your head in the sand is, I don't know. And the only words that keep coming to mind, keep coming to mind, institutional malfeasance, criminal negligence. And I guess the best way to look at this, you can't spin biology. You can't twist it around. We're going to know sooner or later whether or not the decisions he's about to make are going to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Those are the predictions. And we're also going to know, as I said a few podcasts back, whether or not those predictions are grossly overblown. The truth is going to come out here. And maybe that'll be the thing, one way or the other, that uh, gives us some barometer on what to go on. Because we don't have it right now. <laughs> Informational anarchy, indeed. Escapingthecave.com, that's my website. No Twitter, fuck Facebook. <laughs> or fuck Twitter, no Facebook. Hey, both. <laughs> uh, make sure you check it out. Make sure you are subscribed to an Escaping the Cave feed. Please, an authentic one. One labeled Escaping the Cave. I'd appreciate that. Boy, things just change by the minute, don't they? Are you feeling like you're a little, uh, you're having trouble sleeping? I, I, several people I've talked to, including myself, are having problems sleeping. I can't sleep more than five hours, six hours a night. Even if I can, I have the ability to. I can't. Sucks, man. Sucks. Take care of yourselves. Stay healthy. Stay in a fucking house. I have to tell you that, but I feel like I do. Thanks for clicking in as well. I do appreciate your listening. Till next time, so long. <laughs>